Welcome to 100 PM, the show where we interview 100 active product managers from startup to enterprise and everything in between, all from one great city every season. If you're joining us for the first time, be sure to visit our website, 100productmanagers.com. That's the number 100, productmanagers.com. It's the web's fastest growing resource for product management topics. We've got tons of great articles about business, technology, and design, fabulous contributors, and the official must-read, listen-to, follow list, as recommended by our incredible guests, week over week. It's season one. We're here in Los Angeles. I'm your host, Susanna Bate, resident instructor at General Assembly and founder of The Development Factory. Welcome, and thanks for listening. Eleven years ago, Joni Hoadley followed the sounds of rock and roll into the halls of Sonos in Santa Barbara and never left. Today, she's the product group manager for one of their four software groups responsible for integrated music experiences. Joni is here to share stories from her 20 years long career in product management and her deep, deep love for music. For the benefit of our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the brand, we hope they'll all be familiar with the brand post-conversation. What is Sonos? Sonos makes a wireless speaker system for your home. We connect to over 60 music services around the world, and it's frankly the best way to fill your home with music. In fact, that's our company mission, to fill every home with music. And it's the main reason why I feel like I do have the best job in the world, because every day, I wake up and I get to think about how can I help people listen to more music than they listened to yesterday. And so when you say integrate with over 60 services, are you talking about services like Spotify and Apple Music? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So we primarily partner with music services, um, but we also work with internet radio providers. We work with SiriusXM, for example. Our goal is to play all the sounds from around the world. So is the idea that Sonos, the hardware, can interface with these services independent of a device like a laptop or a mobile device? Like, is there a direct communication from speaker to service or you have an application in between? You do need to have an app and we do make an app. That's the primary way that people do play music on our speakers. But one of the things that we've done very recently as of a couple months ago is to allow Spotify, for example, to you, you can use their app to play directly on Sonos speakers. And we're looking to do that with more partners in the future as well. But you do need an app of some sort to actually find the content that you want to listen to and play it on those speakers. So the idea is I've got my home, I've planted a beautiful Sonos speaker behind every book, everywhere I go. And I open Spotify and I say, I want to listen to this song, send it to this speaker over here, and then boom, music is alive. So I'm pointing it to the specific speaker of my choice. Exactly. And the beauty of Sonos is that unlike Bluetooth speakers, you can use Sonos to listen to the same music all over your house 
or you can have different music playing in each room of your house. So it's a, it's a true multi-room system, which is very different than most of the other products that are out there today. It's perfect for families. It's perfect for families. It's perfect for people with roommates. It's, yeah, it's perfect for people with kids. It's just, yeah, it's great. I didn't intend to go this far down the rabbit hole, but this is like fascinating. I love electronics. So I'm kind of, and we're also in, our listeners don't know that we're in this amazing room right now. Right. It's basically been curated to look like the best living room in the world. This is intentional. It's very intentional. So at Sonos, we pride ourselves on a couple of things. The first is great sound. We have some of the world's best engineers working on making speakers that produce the best sound possible. And so right now we are sitting in one of the listening rooms in our current building and it's been acoustically tuned to provide the best listening experience possible. The other thing that we do is pride ourselves on creating these wonderful user experiences. And so the room is designed to look like a living room. We're sitting on couches, there's a TV. It's a very nice living room, it's a very nice living room, but it helps when you know, we want to put ourselves in the shoes of our customers. We can always come in here and just literally imagine what it's like for them to use Sonos at home. Yeah, there's that, that famous anecdote about Amazon and Jeff Bezos kind of wheeling the, the empty boardroom chair in so that whenever there was a, a, a meeting of the key stakeholders, we could remember the customer. Right. You all have taken that to like the next level. Absolutely. It's like, let's just get in the living room, kick off our boots, watch a little TV, and just like really feel what our customers are feeling. Exactly. Slash pass the chips. Exactly. exactly. And the beer. And well, we do talk to our customers. We get out, we talk to our customers quite a bit, but this is really meant to be more kind of inspirational for us, the space that we're in today. Yeah, I'm inspired. I'm not sure I'm going to leave, but it's done. <laughs> Just as a heads up. Okay. Okay, so this is perhaps a really organic segue then because you've been here at Sonos for over a decade. Right. You drank the Kool-Aid. Is it like Hotel California? You can't leave once you get here? What? Or just the best place in the world to work? I, you know, it's funny. I told my, my former boss, who is one of the Sonos co-founders, you know, I made him a promise years ago that I've, if I ever stopped having fun, I would leave. And 11 years later, and I'm still here. And it's because I absolutely love my job. As I said earlier, I, I wake up every day and I get to think about how can I help people listen to music. And to me, there's no better job in the world. I also, you know, even though I think of myself as someone who is most comfortable in startup environments, after being here for so long, I don't think I can necessarily say that about myself, but whenever I'm asked, you know, why have you stayed here for so long? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the job never gets stale. Things are always changing in the space that we're in and I am always being challenged and I'm always growing as an individual. And that's one of the things that really keeps me here is in addition to the great products and my own love of music is just the fact that as a product manager, I'm continually put into new situations where I'm evolving and growing. You bring up your love of music and I wanted to ask you about this specifically because I was looking at your history. I mean, I had to go back because it was like Sonos, Sonos, Sonos for, you know, all right. those titles that you kind of leapfrogged around. But 
Music seems to be the theme of almost every professional role that you have had, even in the years before Sonos. So it's music first. Is that your love? It is. I was very fortunate to have started working at the very first internet radio service 20 years ago, which I'm totally dating myself, I realize. <laughs> Better you than me. I'm okay with that. It's, uh, it was a, it's a company that's obviously no longer around, but it was the very first internet radio service. What was and it called? It was called, it was originally called the DJ.com and it <laughs> rebranded to Spinner. Okay. And that company was eventually bought by America Online. And it was, a, it, it, to me, it represented what I loved best. It brought the, it essentially brought music and technology together in a way that just really satisfied my personal passion. And I also came from, I think, a generation of, I grew up in the 70s. Music was such a part of my life that the moment I had an opportunity to actually work somewhere where I could be paid to listen to music, I don't think I could ever go back. And I've been fortunate enough that I've been able to parlay that into other opportunities since then. And here I am at Sonos and it's just the greatest thing ever. I love that story. We've had a couple guests on the show who have their version of that experience. And one of the things I say to uh, my students in particular a lot when they're asking for advice on getting a job, and we'll talk more about that later, is don't forget to think about what excites you. I mean, it's true that in product, you may find yourself working at a company that you love in a role that you love for a product that you may not be the primary user for. And, and that's okay. And it has its application, but man, all things being equal to just sit around and say, okay, well, what do I want to do? No idea, but I know I love music. So how can I figure out a way to get into that? Exactly. And I, I recently have been having conversations with college students that have been talking to me about how do they get their foot in the door as a product manager once they graduate. And my advice to them is, hey, look for, if you love music, look for companies that are in the music space. There are a bunch of them. You just have to do a little bit of research. So no matter what your passion is, if you really love football, for example, I'm sure there are a number of opportunities in sports that tie into technology. You just have to almost be a detective and just really sleuth those out. Right. So you sleuthed it out. You got in at Spinner. Right. It got acquired by AOL. There was another one I thought I saw that was also a, a big internet acquisition. Music Match? Music Match. That Music came later? Match. That came afterwards. And Music Match was uh, definitely a pretty big player at the time. We made a software program called Music Match Jukebox. And that was one of the top software applications at the time for ripping and burning CDs. So back when everybody ah, was downloading MP3s, <laughs> you used you probably used the Music Match jukebox software to burn your CDs so you could take them in your, you know, your little disc player or what have you. And yeah, eventually that company was acquired by Yahoo. So that was about 12 years ago. Wow, so you were kind of like at the ground zero of technology, because this is like late 90s we're talking about, mid 90s, right. right? Ground zero of technology, ground zero of sort of internet music technology. Right. What was it like back in the old days 
the early days of internet technology as compared to now in terms of, you know, now being starting a startup, as people like to say, I'm starting a startup, is the the new thing. I think I saw a cover of Forbes or GQ recently. It was like the 25 millennial entrepreneurs under 20, whatever. It's like, this is the new exciting thing is to be in tech. But I don't think it had the same luster back then, or did it? I don't think it did. You know, when I think back to when I got started in technology, I was working for a publishing company that wanted to create a website. And because I was slightly more technically inclined than most of the people in my department, I was nominated to be on the team. And I was super excited because I was able to teach myself HTML and I was able to build these web pages and make something happen. And that for me is what really caught my eye. And I said, hey, I want to do this full time. And that's when I went and started working for the first startup that that I went to. Today, I think it's a little different. I think today you go to school and you get your computer science degree and you learn this stuff in, in school. I think 20 years ago, people seem to be more self-taught than they are today. There also weren't very many startups back then. So it, to me, it's very, very different. Um, what's very similar though is, you know, back then I was unfortunately one of the only women in the entire company. And even 20 years later, I find that that is still often the case, which is really, I think, frustrating. One of the things that was always an important part of the show, even before we launched, was we're gonna talk to 100 product managers and it's not going to be 99 men, you know. And we've had uh, we've had phenomenal men on the show, and there are so many great guys out there doing great work. But we've had so many phenomenal women, and I think you know, in particular stories like yours, where we're talking about you know, 20 plus years career in tech, being really at that bleeding edge and saying. I'm going to go out and what did your family think when you got involved in some startup? Did they think my family they wanted a refund still on doesn't the, really on the quite school? understand what I do? <laughs> right. The only thing that my mom and dad actually understood was when I worked for America Online after they acquired the startup I was at because they knew of the CDs and they like it was such a mainstream company. They finally <laughs> understood what I was That's doing. That's when they were proud and they were like, well, Joni is working at AOL, did you hear? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Exactly. It's interesting. I wanted to go back to the part about studying in school and how that's changed because you bring up the point to say, you know, back when you started, people were just like yourself learning to code kind of on the job. Technology was new. And you're right, I think, to reflect that it is very different. But interestingly about product, it's not. And that's kind of another, you know, sort of reason for this show existing is, well, what is product management? And how do you do it? And a lot of the people that we talk to, myself included, have these what I call kind of accidental paths into product where, you know, you didn't necessarily seek it out, but then you realize, oh, this is this is what I'm doing. Or right. some people I've spoken to, you know, they, they kind of retroactively applied the product manager label to their history, but in reality, they didn't know that's what they were doing. They had these other job titles but your story is a little different you like knew you wanted to be a product manager right you right. you cheated your way in a little bit i did i did tell and us about I, that you, like you were saying it's only recently have there are, are there classes 
for people interested in learning how to become a product manager. But before, you know, the, you know, five years ago to 20 years ago when I got started, there weren't classes you could go to to learn to become a product manager. And what I saw, so my background was in marketing, and I ended up interviewing with the internet radio service startup that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> DJ.com. DJ.com, the DJ.com for a marketing position. And at that time I was in San Francisco and I had seen enough of the tech industry to have identified this idea of product management. And I really wanted to, I really wanted to do that because I like the idea of building things. That's really what got me really jazzed was just making something, creating something. And so when I was interviewing for that job, I asked my hiring manager if I could take the job, but also act as a product manager and essentially wear two hats. And then as the company grew, we agreed that I would then kind of take the marketing hat off and then just focus on product management as the company grew, because it was a very small company at the time. And once that happened, I never turned back. I was in love with product management. It's exactly where I wanted to be. And I still love the idea of creating things and making things. How did you know about product management as a discipline or a role back then? I mean, what got you connected to? Because some people still don't really know what it is. Right. So when I was in, so I was working in the Washington, D.C. area. And the very first startup I went to work for was called Freeloader. And this is such a long time ago, but it was it was the first startup that Mark Pincus started, who eventually went on to create Zynga, which is a really popular right. gaming company. Yeah. And his co-founder, Sunil, came from America Online, and he was a product manager. And so I think that was where I got my first taste of product management was they 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 started that company mm -hmm. with having product managers which looking back on it i think was pretty amazing and that's where i got my first taste so when i left there and kind of went on to my next opportunity i knew that that's what i really wanted to do so that was you another thing we sometimes talk about is the the coveting of the product manager role from sort of a nearby domain right so you were in marketing going, what's up with these product managers anyway? And then they were having fun and doing cool things and creating. Exactly. And you were like, were I want that. I but was I in want marketing that just plus talking music. about all their cool stuff. I wanted to make the cool stuff. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Since we're kind of digging around in your past, if, if it's not too uncomfortable, I want to stay there for just a moment because something else caught my eye, which was that you studied in school Germanic studies. Right which doesn't sound like music and technology and product and marketing. So is Not there a story there? There is. So I, I double majored in Germanic studies and political science because my dream, honestly, as a child was to become a diplomat. I had this dream of traveling the world, speaking all these different languages, and kind of representing our government. Now, this is a long time ago. This is like Cold War era. Um, so it was a very different time than, well, maybe not that different than what we have She's today. She's really not as old, listeners, as we're, we're making really it out to seem old. at this point. I'm an old soul. You started young. I started very, very young. Yeah. But I did have this dream of becoming a diplomat. And what 
took me to Washington DC in fact was my dream of joining the Foreign Service. I went there, I enrolled in graduate school, I took the Foreign Service test, but at some point in time I decided that that actually wasn't the career path for me. And I switched gears and eventually got into technology. Right, because I don't think if you had become a diplomat you would be allowed to be rocking Bob Seeger in the halls the same probably way you not. can do that here. Exactly, probably not. Although I do think it's interesting that there are parallels between diplomacy and being a product manager. What do you mean? Well, I think what's really interesting is yeah, as a product manager, you absolutely have to be diplomatic. You need to be able to engage with your stakeholders. You need to be able to work with a wide variety of people and bring them to the table. And oftentimes, as a product manager, you need to be the one that is getting alignment across these different stakeholders. And that's to me, that's what diplomacy is all about. Right. So you had the, the true official training for diplomacy, for yes. product management. <laughs> Everyone else listening is going, I'm never going to be able to be that diplomatic. I got to take Germanic studies, go to Washington. No, it's... Yeah, You're absolutely right. And I think for sure the challenge is it's a strategic role. In in your case, you're in a very senior position. How many product managers are sort of working on your team with you? I have two product managers in my group. Mm -hmm. The other groups also have two to three product managers. Overall, we have, yeah, so we're between yeah, around 15 product managers in total. Right. And then there's the other departments that you actually have to align, sales, marketing, the executive team, whenever they're kind of coming in and, and coming out of the equation, the developers. Right. External partners as well. Right? Yeah, external partners. And and a lot of the times you don't really actually, I mean, maybe you have some power. Sometimes people don't actually have the power as the product manager, they just have the obligation to make it happen. And so you have to kind of really rely on your charms, really rely on your diplomacy in order to get everybody bought in. Exactly. And even if you do have the power, because I think some, some at some companies, product managers are empowered to, to call shots. And even here at Sonos, you know, one of the things that product managers have been set up to do is provide direction and really show that leadership so that everybody knows the direction we're going in. But when the tough shots have to be made, everybody looks to the product manager to make those decisions. But we try to do it in a way that involves all of our stakeholders, right? We, we, at least I think good product managers do that. And we certainly try to do that here at Sonos. Do you have any diplomacy hacks that you can share with us from like learning? That's just like one, Something you won't read about. You know? Well, I don't know if you won't read about it or if it's a, a, a hack or not, but to me, I think one of the reasons why I have been successful in my role is that I have been able to create bridges with a number of different functions within the company. And I've worked really hard to not just establish relationships with those people, but to work with them very early on and helping them understand what is our strategy, what are our goals, and help get them aligned early so that as we're working on things and when when things tend to get in the heat of the moment, 
it's not as much of a fire drill to then help everybody understand, okay, this is really why we're here. These are the, the, the this is why we're having this conversation or this is why these tough decisions have to be made. It's much easier to establish those relationships earlier rather than later when 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 you're you know when the when the heat gets turned on it's very difficult i think to bring people to the table but if you do that earlier in the process i think the experience as a product manager will be much less rocky my impression of you is that you don't ever get mad at anybody is that an accurate impression or pe- people from sonos are listening going yeah you should just I'm have sure a meeting with her they're going to be laughing after this um do you get mad I, at people you just seem oh, oh, like yeah. you'd be like I'm, let's talk about I'm it i'm pretty i think i'm pretty even keeled and i i am definitely very very relaxed but i also get worked up and passionate and um i was reading something the other day or was talking about your product managers need to really be three. There's there's three personas that make up a really good product manager. One is it was actually funny because they talked about the diplomat. Okay. You need to be diplomatic. You need to be a bit of a detective. You need to be willing to dig in and figure out why aren't things working or how how can I make things better. And the third one is you need to be a bit of a warrior. You need to be willing to take a stand when you need to. And that's something that I am not afraid to do. And I don't have to do it all the time, but when I need to do it, I definitely can you put can on the warrior scary. persona. I, yeah. I <laughs> but you scary. even reluctantly say yes. You're like, yeah, okay, fine. All right. Have you ever had any interest in going out on your own and, and doing the founder route or do you prefer kind of the steering kind of within a, a collaborative setting? Not that being a founder isn't collaborative, but it's a different mindset. Yeah, I think of myself as very entrepreneurial. And I sometimes think if I got the right idea, I would definitely be willing to go out there and do something on my own. But at the same time, I've just I've been fortunate to be with a company where I am so happy. I haven't necessarily felt that pull. Um, the other thing is my husband started his own business years ago. And so I got to see pretty close, you know, I, I, I got to see what that was like mm-hmm. you know, as, as, as the spouse of, of a founder. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of work. And I don't necessarily, you know, I, I would think really hard before I did something like that. Yeah. Um, but I definitely wouldn't say never. I think it's more a question of, yeah, you know, if the, if the right idea came up, would I do it? Um, but as long as I'm happy where I am right now, honestly, I'm not really thinking too much about that. Yeah, and you seem happy. And I mean, Very. and you've been here. Did you ever think about going out and becoming a musician? Was there like a somewhere between dreams no. of diplomacy and... Although I have this tremendous love for music, I, I've never played an instrument in my life until six months ago. Really? What was the and instrument? And a guitar. So for my birthday last year, I got guitar lessons and I went out and I bought myself a guitar and I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm horrible, but I'm <laughs> learning and it's great because not only am I finally learning to play an instrument, I've been one of those people who said for years now I've said, gosh, I wish, yeah, I wish I would have learned how to play an instrument. And then finally I just realized, what am I waiting for? There's nothing to say that I can't do it now. So. I am I am learning and I really love it and I actually what what I really like is it's 
it's exercising this part of my brain that I've never used before. So it's thrilling. Is it changing the way that you think about music in the context of your job at all? Or it's just really separate from that? No, it's pretty separate from it. For me, it's a very personal thing. I do it because I just have fun with it. It's just... If anything, it's given me an appreciation for how hard it is to be a musician. I had no idea how hard it is to play the guitar. I have calluses on my fingers (laughs) now. I had no idea. I just have such an appreciation for musicians now that I probably didn't have before. Have you learned night moves yet? I have not learned night moves yet. Actually, I think you might enjoy go home, pull out the chords. It's just C and G back and forth. I think there might be a D in there. (laughs) You're going to be fine. You're going to go home. You're going to be happy that you learned it. I'm basically just playing a bunch of Beatles songs, which are very simple and basic. And they're good. And I know the words to most of them. So it's, you know, it's all good. But yeah, I have a list of of songs that I want to get to over time as I get better. Okay. Love it. I'll have to add the Bob Seger songs there too. So building on the diplomacy piece and, you know, you talking about diplomacy as being an integral part of succeeding as a product manager. We do a segment here on the show called Get the Job, Learn the Job, Love the Job. And uh, since you're on the show, I gotta put you through it. But uh, let's start with maybe some additional advice for up and comers. You mentioned you've been talking to some folks just out of college, looking to get in the door. What is it that you tell them or, or what can you tell our listeners who who want to be the next product manager at a Sonos or, or somewhere else? Well, I would say, first of all, I would say look for a variety of ways to get your foot in the door. There's not one straight path there. There's so many different paths and you just have to be creative. And I also think it's important to think about the traits that make a good product manager and really try to look for opportunities where you can showcase those skills in yourself. So, for example, you know, when I took that job and I was in marketing, you know, I really worked hard to to exhibit the traits that I knew would go into being a good product manager. And things like that are, you know, working well with others and identifying problems and really looking to solve those problems creatively, showing that you can work well with engineers, for example. For me, I think one of the things that's really important and Every company is different, but at least like here at Sonos, being able to really work closely with marketing as well as engineering, we're, we tend to be a pretty engineering-focused company, right. but yet our marketing team is world-class. And so trying to create the bridges between the two so that they have better insight into what we're doing and vice versa has been super important. So for a new product manager, I would say really work hard at trying to build those bridges and focus on that idea of alignment. Getting alignment early is super important, I think, to establishing your credibility and being someone that people want to work with. Yeah. I, when you were talking, I just had what I thought was a funny vision of somebody showing up for a job interview and bringing their friend who was a developer just to really prove to their hiring manager, look, I get along well with developers. We're getting yeah. along right it's, now. You know, it's it's... It's true. You need to be able to speak engineering speak and be able to speak marketing speak. In fact, even it's funny because I today, you know, I, here I am, I've been in this role for 11 years. I've been in product management for 20 years. I was in a meeting today where I was having a conversation with a bunch of people and one of the engineers and I 
were just, we were saying the same things, but we were not hearing each other. And it, I found myself kind of laughing because I was like, yeah, classic product manager, engineering kind of, you know, we eventually got to the point where we knew what the other one was trying to say, but it took us a while to get there. Right. Interestingly, I don't think engineers ever have to demonstrate to their hiring managers that they know how to get along nicely with product managers. Never. It's yeah. always the product manager. And manager. same with marketing. It's not like a requirement of how well do you think you can get along with product people? It's the product manager who has to kind of bend to the personalities, the languages. Exactly. See, there's that good thing you had that Germanic studies because you know how to think in different languages. Um, What about hard lessons learned on the job? So product management can be very conceptual, as you know. Lots of frameworks, lots of ideas for how to think about things. So in practice, where have you seen perhaps some of your uh, junior product managers or or even yourself in your own career kind of fall down because it's harder than it looks. Right, well I think one of the things that comes to mind is, I think as product managers, we're often asked to do so much that I've seen a number of product managers, including myself, feel like the weight of the world is on their shoulders. Right. And you need to be willing to ask for help or go to your manager and say, hey, you know, I am balancing 10 different, you know, I've got 10 different plates that are spinning in the air. Something's got to give. And I think part of it is just really learning how to prioritize. And that's something that a good ma- a product manager does, but that takes a little time to really build that muscle up, I think. And so don't be afraid to, to ask for input to make sure that you're actually, you've got your priorities right. I think that's an important lesson to learn. Right. Um, another thing is like, I feel like I keep coming back to this idea of alignment, but you know, making sure you've got executive alignment is super key. In fact, when I think back to one of my earlier um, challenges, you know, I was working on, it's funny, I've, I've worked on a, a streaming music subscription service before there was one. And this was when I was at America Online and it was an idea before its time and we went we went through the mechanics of spending months and months and months and actually ended up being almost two years of of resources to build something that ultimately didn't quite meet expectations of the executives and it never saw the light of day and i think when i think back on that experience now i think you know we probably could have helped them understand it, and we could have helped manage their expectations better so that we didn't sink 18 months of a team's time into this project. You know, we probably could have done that maybe six months in or eight months in. Well, it sounds a little bit like sort of the perils of waterfall methodology it probably versus was. agile, just not yeah. integrating stakeholder feedback. Exactly. And that is such a core part of, of the role as well as saying, Maybe before we've built the entire thing, we could get someone in the room and show them some mock-ups yeah, and just say, hey, we're working on this. What do you think? Right. Would you be willing to pay for music? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But also, those are the lessons that help us understand how to do it differently. Right. Right. Everybody has to have the really wasteful experience to get connected with the pain of waste. Now I'm at the point where I'm like, what's the least possible thing I could do to learn? 
Can I do it without even moving from this seat? You know, <laughs> how can we distill it down? But but that only comes. It's it's um, only comes from so many times making the same mistake over and over, which is what I call going too far too fast. Right. 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 So all right. Uh, what is your favorite thing about being a product manager? Wow. I you know my favorite thing about being a product manager is making cool stuff. I love it. We at Sonos have quarterly hack weeks. And unfortunately, I haven't been able to participate in the last couple of hack weeks. But when I when I am able to get in there, and we basically spend five days coming up with an idea and building it, and we don't necessarily have to think about, oh, is this going to meet what the market needs? It's right. just, you know, we're going to make something for fun. It's just, it's awesome. And as a product manager, I get such satisfaction out of coming up with an idea and working with a team to create something. And even if it doesn't see the light of day, there's just something about that creation process that I absolutely love. But the Hackery projects, we draw from every location and we draw from every department. So it's not just people in software getting together and, and cobbling together some hacks. It's like marketing does it. The HR team has done Hack Week projects. It's like everybody comes together and they have an idea and it's, it's been awesome. And quite a few of the ideas have shown up in our product. And some of the ideas are also just internal tools. Like HR will have an idea for how they can make their portal uh, easier for people to use. And they'll pull in a couple of web developers from another team and they'll hack something together. And it just, it's like magic. It's a lot of fun. And who gets to pick the music that's playing? That's always one of my favorite things. In fact, if you follow me on Twitter, I'll sometimes say, now playing during our Hack Week demos, there's a lot of Rush for some reason. I don't know why. I don't really quite get it. Rush for some reason is very popular. Right. But it's really fun. Um, it's, it, that's the, one of the best parts of the Hack Week demos is to see what people actually play. That's, a, that's amazing. What, what's your uh, Twitter name so that everyone can... Joni Hoadley. Joni Hoadley. Joni Hudley on Twitter. Awesome. Um, any resources, Joni, that you think, whether product management resources, business, product design, whatever, or music even, that you think are worth throwing onto our ever-growing resource list? Sure. So from a music perspective, I follow Bob Lefsetz, who is this guy who publishes an email on an almost daily basis and just has tremendous insights into what's going on in the music business. I okay. love reading him. Um, I also enjoy reading Tim Ferriss. He is, you know, he's got a great podcast um, and he's written a number of books that I think are really awesome, but I love how he's always kind of looking for life hacks. Um, and I always try to incorporate that into my own life. So I like to read him. And then I would say I also, you know, when I think about product management, I mind the product yeah. is a group I think that has great resources. Yeah, great organization. Great organization. I love the stuff that they're doing, and so I often find myself reading articles that they've been publishing and watching videos from their conferences and that type of thing. Okay, awesome. And you know, normally I ask our guests about personal mantras, professional mantras side of the mug quotes but you actually have one front and center on your linkedin so i it uh, you wrote i'm happiest when i'm working at warp speed right <laughs> so, 
So what is that about? Well, I, you know, I wrote that because I find that I thrive in situations where things are pretty chaotic and happening really fast. And that's probably one of the reasons why I like Hack Week, for example. The idea of coming up with an idea and building it in five days, it's like, go. I love that. I think I do my best work in that situation. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's just when I do my best is when there are so many things going on. Um, I'm in my sweet spot. Although it is interesting, I will reflect that uh, you chose to set up in Santa Barbara, which doesn't like as a place, as a, as a geographic location. It's really laid back. Right. It's really laid back. And I think you know, people tend to think I'm pretty laid back too. But I definitely thrive in high energy situations. Right. Do not misread her. She will yell at you and she is way more wound up than she purports to be. Just give me a little coffee and watch what happens. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Joni Hoadley, thank you so much for joining us. We're richer for your insights here and Thanks really for having appreciate me. it. It was thank great. You. You're listening to 100 PM, the official podcast for 100productmanagers.com. If you haven't been to our site, please check it out. We have so many great resources for anybody looking to learn more about product management or starting a technology business. I'm your host, Susanna Bate. Join me here. We've got a new conversation every Tuesday. We'll see you next time.